All right, so welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. As we have a bit of a ritual, the music helps create congruence. We're going to talk about congruence again today. It's so important. And uh, that unified field of oneness. And so what I'm going to do, I've got my gong back, and I found a, a gong hitter, whatever you call these things. You know who took our gong hitter? It was Simrit. She's coming back. I'm like, what happened to the thing I hit the gong with? And so Simrit's been using it for the last year, but she's, she's coming to use the facility again. Anyway, so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to sound the gong. We'll, we'll just settle down into 30 seconds of silence to connect with ourselves. And then we will, um, I'll do an affirmative prayer. And, uh, and then we'll, oh, I'm going to sing a song first. And then we'll sit, do an affirmative prayer. See, I just get all wound up here. The energy in the place is just so alive today. So it's so wonderful to be in a container of unconditional love. So I'm going to invite you to just settle down a little bit and open up to that opportunity. And as you open up to it, you actually become part of it. You actually help nurture it as well. So let's move into the silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I invite you in this moment to allow my words to be your words if they fit, and if not, let them wash over you. But what I affirm and know with an open heart Grounded in this beautiful earth, imagining cords of light grounding me into the deep core of this mother earth, Gaia, is the recognition of this unseen force for good that goes by many names. But that life is my life. It is everywhere. There is not a spot where God is not. Called spirit, source, the absolute, the universe, divinity, whatever name we give it, it says yes, because it loves unconditionally. And it responds to the subjective nature of our beingness, our consciousness. And so in this moment, what I know is that I am being transformed even in this moment. Each cell of my physical body is being recreated, energized, and blessed. I bless all of the energy centers within my body, all the chakras, from one all the way up to eight, to that portal above our heads that downloads the inspiration, possibility, opportunity.
We bless the great teachers who have touched our lives and are the great example, Jesus of Nazareth, the Buddha, and all the wonderful avatars who in large and small ways have helped push the envelope of consciousness. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to stand upon their shoulders and to be of service to that which they represented so beautifully and wonderfully. So I declare that I live my life. I have come here to be wisdom, courage, peace, abundance, joy, love. This is what I've come here to be. So anything unlike those qualities do not have permission to enter into my beingness. Only those things that support me in being that. So I stand diligent at the conscious awareness of who I am and what I have come here to be. And I do my best today. And should I fail in some small way, I forgive myself immediately and I pick up the baton of opportunity once again. I waste no time beating myself up because I have fallen short of my intention. But to realize that I'm further along the path than I have been. So I move with grace. I offer myself compassion and kindness so that I can offer it to others. For this I give thanks. I know this day is powerful and beautiful and I am equipped as you are with everything necessary to celebrate this moment and each moment hereafter. For this I give thanks and I release these words and together I invite you to say, and so it is. All right. Wow, I get to do this twice. So I've got to, we're talking about wholeness this month, and wholeness to me is very, very important. I think it's just such a powerful theme, opportunity. And the slide up there shows the children living an undivided life, because what happens for us, and, and the, 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 really the, the core of what we teach is that we, for the most part, can go right into separation. So our, our spiritual practice is really around healing the separation. And I have a, a, a bit of a verse here I want to share with you from our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, to begin. And what he t- talks about is what, what goes out must return. He talks in this article about, with, with, talks about Einstein and how they, Einstein knows that energy bends at a certain point. I mean, the, the whole, I just watched the uh, Einstein uh, miniseries. It was wonderful. I know, what a life that guy had. I mean, he was so smart, you know. So anyway, what goes out must return. So I want to just share with you the, a couple of paragraphs here to kind of set this idea up today in the context, to give it some context. But he said that as newcomers, we come to this, this teaching, and what we teach here, I just did an affirmative prayer, and it's a form of prayer where we, we first of all acknowledge the presence of the one, the presence of this divinity which is unconditional. It's love beauty is what it is. It's a principle. It's not a personality. It's not an old man on a cloud. It is actually an energy. We are all energy, each and every one of us. And so as consciousness shifts, our energy shifts. So he says, as newcomers come to this field of affirmative prayer and learn, and learn of the creative power of thought, which is what we teach, thought creates our experience. And actually what creates our experience is not just the thought, it's the feeling tone, it's what we embody, it's what we become. So want more love in our lives? Be love. And there's, the, there's where we, we get the traction. But he says that when we're new, we come to this field, we learn of the creative power of thought, We are intrigued by the wonder of it, fascinated by the fact that thought is creative, that what we think takes form in our experience to some degree. What could be more natural than um, that we should begin to use this law for every possible purpose for the benefit of ourselves as well as for others? There's nothing wrong with this, for salvation does begin at home, and only the one who has proved this law for himself is in a position to use it for others with any hope of success. 
So we've got to prove it. Dr. Holmes says, we can't live this and prove it. We're just pretending. We're just announcing. The next paragraph. At first, we are prone to, to do affirmative prayer or treat, as he calls it in this article. Called a prayer treatment. So he says, treat. At first, we are prone to treat everything and everyone around us in an attempt to influence our environment and other people and to exercise control over things to our own liking. Most of us pass through this phase, but it's only a phase. There's nothing scarier than a born-again metaphysician, I'm telling you. But as we progress in this science, we come to the realization that the aim of scientific treatment is not to control other people and things. We treat, we pray for our own mind, our own consciousness, no matter what the desired end may be. And gradually, we learn that, as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, we must stay at home with the cause. We must stay at home with the cause. That's where we make the most significant shift and change. And I love that. So I want to do a little bit of a review to set this up because this has really been a rich and wonderful month for me and I'm so blessed to have been able to be part of this. The joy in this for me is the, the, the magic of watching it kind of come together each week and that becomes richer and richer as, as I grow into this role. And after 20 years of doing this every Sunday, I think I'm figuring a little bit of it out finally. But I talked about the parables of Jesus. Now, Dr. Ernest Holmes loved and honored and adored the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And what he talked about was that Jesus was the great example, not the great exception. That we are all the sons and daughters of God. And what Jesus said, in Matthew it says, these things I have done, ye shall even do in greater. And we see that happening on the planet right now. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But the parables that, that I picked to work with this month were the, the parable of the mustard tree. So you'll see a mustard tree up there. Tiniest seed possible. And he used that to teach. And talked about you can take this tiny seed and grow it into something beautiful that will support the birds of the sky. And that, that will provide shade at some point. But from the tiniest of seeds. And then I talked about, the next slide is about the unleavened bread. And how the woman, when the women or men are, are mixing the dough with the yeast, eventually that yeast permeates that raw dough. And the dough starts to rise. And then it becomes something that we can bake and turn into something delicious. So two of his shortest parables... And he, he talked in metaphor and he talked in parable for a variety of reasons. One was that it kept out of, him out of trouble with the authorities because the authorities didn't want anybody proclaiming anything other than you know, that Rome was in charge. And of course the Pharisees at that time were suspicious of him as well because he wasn't towing the line in terms of a good young Jewish boy because he was Jewish. I mean, Jesus was not a Christian because it didn't exist. But, it, you know, that and all that, you know, some of the story of that. But the parables, so, were really a, a valuable piece. But the idea in both of these very short parables is that something small, set in motion, planted, or mixed in, helped create something that was, was wonderful. This beautiful tree, a loaf of bread that sustains life. Because they asked them, what is the kingdom of heaven like? So the kingdom of heaven is still a reality. As Jesus also said, it is upon the face of the earth and we do not see it. It is not a geographic location. It's not somewhere that if we live a good life, you know, I was taught this in parochial school, that if I live a good life, I'm going to earn my way into the gates of heaven. And that, for a five-year-old, gives you a context and kind of, you know, keeps you in line. But what it is, as the mystics of all over time have said, is what Dr. Holmes expressed and many of the other great spiritual minds of history have said, but it is a present moment experience of awareness of consciousness. 
Now, there are many realms. I know when, when the soul leaves the body, there are, and Jesus said that, there are many mansions in my Father's house. But the point being is, is that heaven is the unified field. Heaven is a connection, as all the mystics will tell us, of the unified field of oneness. It is connecting with the higher self, that connection that is unbroken between us and the, div- the divinity that we are. See, we were born, when we're born, our souls are perfect. We're just perfect. And then life happens, and the conditioning happens, and experiences happen, and things happen. So we move out of from that state of connection or coherence into a state of incoherence. So the next slide is a picture of the heart rhythm patterns, and this comes from the heart math. But incoherence are, are characterized by frustration, anxiety, worry, and irritation. Anybody ever felt any of that? Look at that. Only three people here have had that experience. This is great. And coherence is positive emotions, appreciation, love, and care. And so what happens for us when we live in the kingdom, Jesus, you know, in, in Matthew, he talked about the kingdom 32 times, Gospel of Matthew. And it's in the other Gospels as well. But he emphasized this a lot. So it's a state of co- coherence. That unbroken, that portal is open. The veil is lifted. And when we're in that, the miraculous can happen. It's instantaneous in that field, that quantum field. There's a new brainwave that they've discovered called gamma that is beyond the other four, the delta, the alpha, the beta. And there's one, uh, one more. But, and there's the gamma. But anyway, so coherence is when all the chakras, Joe Dispenza calls them the energy banks, the energy centers of the body. And there's an illustration of that. And I was told between, at the, after the first service that this next slide people don't like. It's actually a picture of the brain that's been dissected and the pineal gland is there. The pineal gland, so we'll just show it briefly. That's long enough. So the pineal gland, because we don't want to freak anybody out. The pineal gland is that, that gland which represents the sixth chakra. And so the, when the sixth chakra is activated, and, and we do that through various practices. You can do it through Tai Chi, you can do it through yoga, you can do it through meditation. There's a meditation technique to activate that gland. But when that gland is activated, it's connected to the third eye. This is science. This isn't woo-woo. This is what happens. Well, all of those people that we considered the lunatic fringe that were talking about this 50 years ago were absolutely right, you know, because they were having the experience. But anyway, so we talked about this coherence, and it is that unbroken connection with the divine. And we are here to, our opportunity, I believe, is to be outlets of that. And each one of us can be a unique expression of that outlet. And there's a lot of things happening on our planet right now. There's a lot of chaos going on right now. Has anybody noticed, read the newspaper, gone on YouTube? Yeah, there's a lot of things happening um, if you notice the, the situation in the United States with the, the new president, and let's extend unconditional love to President Trump because he needs all the love he can get. But if you look at the dynamic of this, what happens is that when we, we slip off the rails of coherence into incoherence, there's a, a, a sense of competition. And our amygdala in our brain gets triggered, and it's about survival. And so if you watch the dynamic of that administration, there have been, I don't know, I just read an article, since he's been in office like six months, he's had like eight significant cabinet positions turnover. And so what I would say about that um, is consciousness always prevails. Wherever we go, we take our consciousness with us. And I would say, because I'm really invested right now in exploring the shadow work, and we actually have a program we're going to introduce probably in October with this community, invite people, it's called the Q Process. 
And I'll talk about it more in August to give you more information, but it's a 21-day program to help look at where we get triggered and those unowned aspects of ourselves. So what I would say about using our beloved Donald Trump is that he's surrounded himself with, see, we, by, we're, we're attracted to the right and perfect situation based on our consciousness. So if I have unresolved issues with a father figure or an authority figure in my life, so when you watch people come in and they, they collaborate with him in a role, it seems, how, you say, how can people agree to this? But the driver with that unowned shadow portion of themselves with authority needs someone to, uh, to earn the approval. So I go to work for someone, I have this unfulfilled need within me, I have this unowned piece of me that I need to, to bring some relief to. So I find someone I can project my unhealed aspect of myself with authority or with a father figure. And what I want more than anything in the world is approval. So I will say and do anything I can to win approval. I will align my subjective nature of knowing and being to align myself what I know will bring me, what I think will bring me relief, which is this person's approval. This is how shadow works and plays out in our lives. Now, if, if, you're, if you're wise enough and you're fortunate enough to be in an environment where you get to say, oh, this triggers me, and these are my unowned pieces of myself, my shadow that I'm projecting onto Mr. Trump, why don't I heal it here? And then I can have a different relationship with myself, with all of the authority figures in my life. That this is how shadow plays out. Does this make sense? So, Because you wonder, why would people enter into this relationship? Well, they have to, by right of consciousness. They have no other choice, basically. Because if they don't do it with him, they're going to find somebody else to do it with. And this is how many, of us, many people have been domesticated or, or raised you know, throughout their lives. So what we teach, the reason I wanted to go through this coherence with you is when we're in coherence, it means that we've, and wholeness means we've owned more and more of our disowned parts of ourselves. It's the human condition. We all have areas that we have disowned or pushed away or prayed over or denied. And the way we move into wholeness is we bring it all in and say, this is part of me too. Ah, there's a part of me with my unowned relationships with my father, my, the authority figures. And once we, we make the unconscious conscious, we have an opportunity to transform it. That's the hard work. People come into this teaching all the time. They go, oh, I have affirmative prayer now. I'm just going to pray on what I want to be. That's important. But what, anything unlike that will come up for us. It's the way it works. And then after a while, you get exhausted because like, I keep praying for the good and the, and, the, and the junk keeps coming up. It's like this stuff doesn't work. No, it, do, it works perfectly every time. But how do we transform? So it's not pushing it away and denying it. It's embracing it and saying, oh, there it, there's, that, there's that liar within me. There's the harlot in me. There's the, the cheat all that stuff. We're all capable of that. We don't, but we choose not to live from it. But it's understanding it. It's because what happens is if we don't own it, then we, we, we project it on others. And all this energy gets wasted. And I don't think we have time to waste anymore. So I want to show you a young avatar, a young genius on the planet. There's a wave coming of consciousness. And, and, and I think it ties in beautifully with what we represent. This young man's name is Mark Zuckerberger. You might have heard of him. He'd invented a little thing called Facebook. He's got like three or $4,000 saved from doing it now. It's only a minute long. It's quite, quite beautiful. A recent survey of millennials around the world asking what most defines our identity, the most popular answer wasn't nationality, ethnicity, or religion. It was citizen of the world. That's a big deal. Every generation expands the circle of people we consider one of us. And in our generation, 
That now includes the whole world. We understand that the great arc of human history bends towards people coming together in ever greater numbers, from tribes to cities to nations, to achieve things that we could not on our own. We get that our greatest opportunities are now global. We can be the generation that ends poverty, that ends disease. And we get that our greatest challenges need global responses too. No country can fight climate change alone or prevent pandemics. Progress now requires coming together, not just as cities or nations, but also as a global community. So thank, thank you for your attention to that. But, but see, that idea scares a lot of people, this idea of global community and, and the government and you know, all these conspiracy theories. But energetically, we are in a global community. The Internet's an example of that. Instantaneous communication. We're all connected. I mean, isn't it interesting that the Internet is actually a metaphor for oneness? I mean, and some of it's great, <laughs> some of it's horrific, but isn't that life? There's people on the planet that are great, and there are people on the planet that are horrific. We got all of humanity here, so how can we be in this and not lose our minds and pull our hair, pull our hair out? But here's Mark Zuckerberger talking about brilliant, brilliant genius, talking about possibility, what we're being called to. And it's coming. This is a wave. This is not, it's, it's not like this might happen. It's happening. And the whole generation and looking out there and what you're seeing in with, with my, my great example, Donald Trump, is wanting to hold on to the past. You know, we're going to make our country great. And look, I was born in the U.S., so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just, you know, I'm, I have dual citizenship. I've spent a lot of time there and I want the best for that country and I want the best for the world. Our, our mission as a movement is a world that works for everyone, which fits beautifully with what Zuckerberger's talking about. But unless we, do the, unless we do our own inventory and learn how to work with the, the unknown parts of ourselves, we will continue to have wars, we will continue to project, we will continue to have all sorts of problems we cannot even imagine. I have a piece in here. I got way too much material today, which is a good thing, because I'm, I'm going to promise you I'll share it next week. But the idea of perception... Perception, and this comes from Dr. Gary Simmons, who's this Q process. We're going to bring Gary here in October to do this work with us. But Gary writes, perception, all perception is misperception. Remember last week I showed you that video? You stare at the dot at the end of the nose, and it's black and white, but there's pixels that go along with that little image you stare at for about 30 seconds, and then the image changes, and it's actually a black and white photo, but it looks like it's in color now because the brain makes stuff up. The brain's always making stuff up. There's 400 billion bits of information available to us at any moment. And we can gather in our own consciousness, own awareness, 2,000 of them. So we make the rest up. And so what Dr. Gary says is we, all perception is misperception. All perception is incomplete. All perception is personal. And all perception is mitigated or influenced by beliefs, values, and emotions. We're making this stuff up. But once we run, realize we're making it up, doesn't it take some of the charge off? <sighs> wow, I get to make something else up. What do I want to make up? Instead of letting the exterior uh, influences determine how I think and who I am, I get to make it up. That's the beauty of it. That's the wonder of it and the joy of it. So interestingly enough, there's a wonderful book called Homo Deus that my brother turned me on to. He lives in Minneapolis, and he's an attorney, and we're kind of, we, we're in the same family for a reason. We're, we're soulmates. 
But the main causes of death prior to 2000, statistically, prior to 2000, the main causes were war, famine, and disease. That's what, that's what did it. Since 2000 to 2014, it has shifted. The causes of death, the main causes now, war has gone to suicide and, and uh, violent crime. Famine has gone to obesity. And disease is now old age. Isn't that fascinating? The, the, the one thing that I find is a really, really low-hanging fruit in this is this idea of suicide and, and violent crime. So it used to be we'd go to war because if we don't love ourselves, if we don't honor ourselves, and I'm not talking your personality, I'm talking about that higher wisdom self that lives within you, to, to not force anyone to, to your will, but to realize I'm here to be a presence of love. I'm here to be a presence of opportunity, creativity, wonder and joy. I'm here to be a contagion of light upon the planet, not because I want to dominate, because I want to serve. And that's the shift and change. See, this awakening, this whole, this whole movement of ours, unless we're standing on the consciousness of what we've come here to be, it's so easy to go off the rails. So this whole idea of suicide and violence is just an example. If we don't cherish and honor ourselves at the deep level, I mean, it's like 23 people a day are taking their lives in the United States, I read last week. That's a lot of people. Why are people checking out? Well, if you believe and if you live a life of incoherence, you suffer all the time. But let's make something different up. Because as long as we believe we're not enough, there's not enough, I'm, I'm broken, there's something wrong with me, all of the popular misconceptions about who and what we are, we're going to find ways to punish ourselves. We can cure cancer and we can cure AIDS, but as long as we stand in a consciousness of not embodying and owning the truth of who we are, living who we are rather than who we are not, we're going to find ways to punish ourselves and hurt ourselves. That's the way life works. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just trying to point out to you how important consciousness is, how important having a beautiful, coherent relationship with the infinite is. So, in fact, in this book, it's by, I didn't give you the author because I can <laughs> barely pronounce his name, but that's okay. I'm going to take my time here and find it for you. In Homo Deus, it's by, um, I'll find it here in a moment and share it with you. But he, he talks about this as well. He said, within the next 50 to 60 years, and someone said to me after service, let's do it right now. The three primary focuses as we move into this new consciousness are going to be, for the majority of people, happiness, divinity, and eternal life. Happiness, divinity, and eternal life. The eternal life thing really turns my brother on because he's involved with this company. He's representing them as their attorney, and they're doing all this gene work. And I told him, well, I'm not too concerned about that because I actually believe you can reincarnate. So why would I want to use this model for another 200 years when I can turn this in and get a new model? But he and I, so we, we debate on that. But the point, isn't it wonderful? And in the book, my brother was telling me that when, when in 50 years when you are talking to someone, if you're still around, um, and, and telling them, you know, I used to walk to work. And, the, and their reply would be, you used to work? Be, and, and he's talking about artificial intelligence. They have computers now that can diagnose certain cancers too within a 97% accuracy rate. We're human doctors, it's 36% at best. But talking about what this, this, the wave that's coming, but what, what, what a shift it would be. To, to, our focus would be on our happiness, on our divinity, and on our eternal life or, or well-being. 
And they'll figure that out. There's moral issues. But just, and this is just a theory. But statistically, we've gone from a war to suicide and violent crime. We've gone from famine to obesity. We've gone from disease to old age. Look at that. So it's quite an interesting observation. So here's Mark Zuckerberg talking about this, this one planet. There's one people, one planet. You know, the Baha'i faith. One planet, one people. Science of mind, our teaching. A world that works for everyone. It's big. We'll probably never get there. But it's a, it's a symbol of possibility. It's a symbol of possibility. And the more we can transform our own consciousness, it, it creates a wave. It's an opening for others. So when you can be grounded in the middle of all the chaos that's going on, when you can get up on tomorrow and you read the paper and Donald Trump has, has gone off on another Twitter thing or whatever, and I don't read him anymore. I, you know, at first I was like, as every time I'd see it, I was like, oh, this is the end for him. I'm like, wow, this will be interesting. He just keeps doing it, you know. And it's like, I got other things to read now. I'd rather read this stuff than that stuff and watch him. He's playing it out. But if I want that, I, see, when I was younger, I couldn't watch the daily soap operas. Remember that? I was in the Luke and Laura thing. Remember the Luke and Laura? Was, that's when I was in college. It, that it dates me. But I used to tell my friends, I got enough drama going on in my life. What do I want to watch this for? That just aggravates everything because it was triggering all my stuff, you know. But the point is, is that when we can stand in it, and truly understand who we are. There is nothing we have to fix. And, and when I, I talked about it last week, and, and, but when we, when, when, how we value ourselves is determined by wh- what's out in the world of what we do or don't do or what we have or don't have, it's never going to be enough. So when we can understand and, and live more and more in our connection with divinity and with oneness and unity, then what we do and what we have is influenced by all of that. See, it works the other way around. It works from the inside out. And then our relationships are colored by it. Right? And then our work is colored by it and influenced by it. But do you see how important that is? Because if we're always trying to move the deck chairs around on the Titanic, it's not going to help. So it's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful time to be alive. When I hear Mark Zuckerberger talk about this, I'm like, oh, you go, baby. That's what I want to watch. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to be part of. I want to be part of the transition team. I want to be part of that. That's, you know, I have grandchildren now, man. I, don't, I want to leave them something that is a value and a purpose, and I want to impart with them an opportunity to understand, you know how, you know how amazing you are? And, 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 to, and to bring the wisdom to it and just to nurture it, but to model it. See, kids get what you model. You could tell them, have you noticed that with your children? You could tell them a hundred times not to do that. But if you model it for them, they get it. Hopefully. Eventually they'll get it. So, in the movie... The Matrix. Anybody see the movie The Matrix besides me? Remember the movie The Matrix? There was Morpheus. He was the most powerful guy in the movie, played by Lawrence Fishburne. One day I was going down through the Sepulveda Pass in L.A. when I used to live in L.A. And who was next to me in the Rolls Royce driving along? It was Lawrence Fishburne. I go, hey, Morpheus! He didn't look at me, but I thought, you know, that's the kind of thing that happens in L.A. It'd be like seeing Wayne Gretzky on the Gretzky, maybe, you know. But anyway, so there's Morpheus and there's Neo in the sunglasses. And Neo has a choice, so I brought him along today. So the blue pill... Is, is here. If you'd like to go back to sleep, have a blue one. In the movie, you want to go back to sleep, have a blue pill. But if you decide to not fall asleep anymore, you take the red pill. And they're up here. If you'd like to grab one on your way out, 
please feel free. I shared some with Kasha's daughters at 9 o'clock this morning. I didn't have permission from mom, but I went ahead and did it anyway. Walk in with two bowls of candy. They're like, it's okay. So the blue pill is going back into separation. The red pill is taking responsibility for what I'm creating. What I am creating. And we're creating all the time. Transformation is never letting anything or anyone be the matter with you ever again. Transformation is never letting anyone or anything be the matter with you ever again. That's tough work. That's, that's saint work. That's avatar work. Awareness, living from wholeness, living from your higher self. So we can do it gradually and wonderfully. So there's practices, and the practice that I'm introducing along with Gary, uh, Dr. Gary Simmons' work around the Q process, there's a whole platform of we're going to entertain. It's a, it's a cultural shift. One of the platforms that we're going to make available uh, right away when we start our classes in the fall, in my class, um, called Pure Intent, and in my wife Laura's class, the Foundations class, we're going to offer mind movies. And I talked to Reverend Tammy today about it. So we'll make it available in all the uh, classes. Because there's, there's coherent practices, but the primary needs, and this mind movie is based on, I'm going to share with you, I'll close with this today. There's, there's five primary needs that we all have. One is safety and security. One is love and connection. One is abundance. One is innate value and worth. And one is a sense of empowerment. Those are inherent for all of us. So I put together a sample of a mind movie to a song that you'll all recognize. So MindMovie is actually a platform on the internet that you can buy a subscription for. You can download your own music, you can download your own images. But what happens in a MindMovie, and the practice that's suggested is when you come out of meditation or you come out of prayer, you watch your MindMovie. I mean, why do people advertise? Why do people advertise? Because it works. Buy this car, you'll be this guy. Wear this dress, shop at this store, eat this food, eat at this restaurant. You know, it's so enticing because it works. So the Mind Movies idea, inspired by this brilliant woman from Australia that we met when we were down in, uh, with Joe Dispenza, she put this idea together and launched a grassroots initiative to, to create our own advertisements, to sell our own selves on what's important to us. So this, based on what I just mentioned, the five aspects of the basic human need I put together this week, it's a song that you'll recognize by Robbie Williams who wrote this for his children called I Love My Life. And we're going to run it for you right now. Here we go. I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. I love my life. That's it. So why not get up every morning and watch that before you go out the door? And watch that every night before you go to sleep. Instead of all the nonsense and watching Donald Trump tweet one more time which takes me nowhere, but, but into incoherence. It's like, love you, Donald, but I can't go there with you. So it's a wonderful opportunity. There's technology, there's this movement on this planet right now to help us continue to wake up and stay awake, to change our minds and keep them changed. Blessings and love, so it is.